Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We want to be good for real. We want to be transformed for real. I want to be a Christian for real. I want to be born again for real. Not just appear like, not just put on the the trappings of a Christian. I, I want to actually be one. And that's my exhortation to all of us that we got to examine our own selves. If you're faking something, you know it. And nobody may know it but you. But if you're faking it, you know it. If you're pretending somewhere, you know it. And God would call you out today and say, repent of that. Don't, don't be content to continue to live like that. There's a popular phrase circulating of late that says, fake it till you make it. In an effort to excuse whatever it is you haven't gotten done, there's this idea that it's okay and you can cover for it just fine. But today, Pastor Bill sends you a different message. He wants you to strive to be real about your sin rather than being fake about your faith. So instead of putting up that spiritual facade, break down the walls of your sin and be open. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter three, as he continues his message, the church of Sardis. He says what he says to all seven churches, I know your works. He says it seven times. He says it to each church, and it's important every time he says it. Jesus says, look, I know your works. I know everything that you're doing. I know, I know what you do, when you do it, why you do it, how you do it. I know your work. I'm intimately aware of everything that you do. And again, I'll say this every time, this will rub each person different. So if you're someone that's serving and just ministering and doing what you're called to do, God is saying, look, I haven't missed a single thing. You're, you should be encouraged. If you're someone that serves and you do things and it's not seen and it's not known, God says, I haven't missed a thing. I haven't missed a day of service. I haven't missed one act, one, one heartfelt thing that you've done. I see everything that you do. The one who brings the reward is saying, I know your works. So anybody here that's serving God, um, it's important that we do the work that we do for God as unto the Lord. Amen. Don't do it for men because you will, you will be let down. If you serve for men, you might not get thanked. You might not feel appreciated. They might not even acknowledge it. You cannot serve God for people's sake. So uh, even in the ministry as you serve, some of you say, oh, I just love people. You need to love God. Because uh, if you do it for people, when you get sick of people, you won't do it right no more. It's got to always be as unto the Lord. It'll, it'll safeguard you from letdown, disappointment, and from putting out when things get tough. As unto the Lord. And so God says, I know your works. Now, if you're not doing well. If your works are evil, if you're living a double life, God would say, hey, I know you're not getting away with anything. I know your works. To this church, God saying, I know your works is not a good thing. Uh, to the church of Smyrna, when God said, I know your works, it was a good thing. God was saying to that persecuted group of believers, I know everything about you. And I, I see you guys hanging there. Later on, the church of Philadelphia, when he says, I know your work, it's going to be a good thing. This church, there is no commendation. So far, the pattern has been if there's anything commendable about the church, Jesus will give them the commendation first. And then if there are things in need correction, he will give them the correction second. And then he always, with the correction, gives a remedy. This is what you can do to get it right. Well, I want you to note that to this church, after Jesus says, I know your works, he goes right into corrections because there's nothing commendable about them. This should speak to us because to a dead church, Jesus says, I have nothing good to say about you. Just marinate on that for a minute. Every one of us one day is going to stand before God. You know that? Amen. Hebrews 9, 27 says it's appointed a man wants to die. And after this, the judgment, we will give an account before the Lord. And I don't think anybody here wants to stand before God and he have nothing good to say. I mean, not one. I mean, 
God, you know everything about me. I, I know some people that may just don't like you. And they just, I'm just, I don't have nothing good to say about But God, who knows every, if God have nothing good to say about you, that means ain't nothing good about you. That's sad. This church here, he says, I got nothing good to say. I have no commendation for you. I have nothing, there is nothing that you are doing that I want you to continue to do. May that not be true for a single one of us. And if it be true, then he'll give the remedy, which is to repent. And I'll tell you right now so you can prepare your heart um, that we would repent of that. He says, look, first things, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. I know your works, he says, you have a name. So in public, you have a name. People see you as alive. This church wasn't a empty church with broke down building and nothing going on. It was they were jamming. They had programs. They probably had things going on seven days a week. They had lots of activity, um, but they were dead as far as God was concerned. Uh, I think it was Billy Graham or I think it was him that said, you know, if the if the Holy Spirit were to be removed from the church, there are some churches where everything that they're still doing would keep going because they're not doing anything in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of churches that function that way, lots of activities, lots of things that men have construed and created and made. And it looks good on the surface, but God would say, I'm not involved in any of that. Y'all haven't prayed. You aren't seeking me for power. Everything that you're doing, you're doing in the energy of the flesh and the strength. And so to this church, God says, look, I know your works. You have a name that you're alive, but I'm telling you, God Almighty is saying that you're dead. And if God says you're dead, guess what? You're dead. So, um, so here's what we want to learn from this. We don't want to be a place and we don't want to be a people that have convinced others that there's life when there's not life before God. What have you gained? If you fool everybody into thinking you're an amazing Christian and God Almighty is looking down saying, you ain't even alive, bro. Or sis, you're not even alive. Like, what have you gained if you convince people? And I think that that's a trap that happens in Christian circles, that people learn how to be fake. A lot of Christians are fake. A lot of church people are fake. Sometimes church culture encourages that kind of behavior um, where we encourage people to kind of fake the funk. I've even heard people say stuff like, you know, you got to fake it till you make it, stuff like that. That The Bible knows nothing of that sort of mindset. Um, we shouldn't be fake. It would be better, hear this. It would be better, let's say you're doing terrible in your walk with the Lord. You're sinning and you're struggling. And if some brother or sister in the church that loves you comes and say, hey, bro, how you doing in your walk with the Lord? It would be better for you to say, if I be honest, bro, I'm struggling. I'm sinning in this way. I'm not being faithful to the Lord at all. I'm barely in the word. I am I'm doing really bad and I want to do better. I need help. Would you pray for me? Would you share with me? Would you? That brother has got more hope to be turned around. Then the person over here that's living the same life, and you say, brother, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. God is good. Hallelujah. Woody, wham, wham. Ten verses on the quote. God, praise God. <laughs> that brother's, you can't help. We don't even know that he needs prayer. We're like, man, I wish I could be more like him. And God is looking and saying, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't want to be more like him. And so interesting that Jesus said about the Pharisees, right? He said that they travel the world to make one proselyte. And when they do, they make him twice the son of hell that they are. Them is hard words. That's in red letters in, in Matthew 24 from Jesus Christ. He said, man, they twice the son of hell, right? They travel all the world. That They master the art of outwardly, you know, looking the part. But Jesus said, look, on the outside, you guys are, um, you, you know, you guys have white sepulcher on the outside, but it's inside you're full of what? Dead man's bones. Um, and so 
I want to encourage everybody here. And I'm not, here's what I want you to get to, because maybe this is going to beat you up a little bit. Maybe you're experiencing conviction. Maybe you're one of those people that be faking the funk. God doesn't confront you about your sin to condemn you, ever. That's not what he does. God's saying, look, I want to reveal it so you can stop it, because he's going to give the remedy. You can repent of it. We can have a real relationship if you just stop that. So maybe you've gotten good at faking. Today would be a great day to cash that in. Just say, you know what? I'm not going to be fake with folks. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to act like I'm doing better than I'm doing. I'm going to say how I'm actually doing. Y'all know that this is a safe place to do that? If you don't know it, I want you to know it, that our church is a safe place to say, I'm struggling in my walk with the Lord. Whatever it is, if it's true, just you need to say it and get prayer and get counsel. There are people here that are going to love you, pray for you, counsel you, and hopefully see you walk into a place where there's victory in your walk. I have personally watched people. I wouldn't name them because I don't want to embarrass them, but there are people in this church that I've met and I've talked to. When I met them and we said, how are you doing? They just went, blah, all this sin. And I'm like, all right. Okay, that's where we're starting from, but at least I'm starting with a person that's saying, I'm going to be real. Doesn't matter what the sins are, doesn't matter what the issues are. This person said, blah, here's everything. I need help. And I've watched, there's some of them serving here. I won't name them, but they're, they're here and they're serving and they're doing well. And God has taken them beyond where they were because they were real about what was going on. And you know what's sad to say? There are people that have been around just as long and just kind of riding under the radar. Doing great, doing great unfruitful, not moving forward. Don't be that. Amen? He says to them again, um, I know your works that you have a name, that you're alive, but you're dead. So while there's lots of service and lots of things that living Christians do, there isn't any real life. And so we want to be careful about adding Christian service uh, to a sinful life. That's what some people do. Um, I'm going to add, I'm not going to change my life and give God what he really wants. But I'll, I'll make up the difference in serving. You know you can't serve enough to make up for a rebellious life. If you're writing notes, write down Matthew 7, 21 to 23. And we'll look real quickly at a group of people that were serving. They were certainly serving in uh, powerful ways, yet they don't even go to heaven when it's all over with. In Matthew 7, 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but... He who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, 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 have we not prophesied in your name? They were speaking, prophesying, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And notice Jesus never says, no, you didn't. They were prophesying, casting out demons and doing many wonders in the name of Jesus. Then he says to them, then I will say, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Jesus says, man, while y'all were serving y'all butts off, y'all weren't even saved. I don't even know you. What would motivate a person to be prophesying, casting out demons and doing many wonders, and they they won't even stop sinning? They haven't even done the first thing, which is repent. So this is what we can take from that. Don't add to a sinful rebellion life Christian service. Not going to get you where you want to go. Here's the crazy thing. That maybe these non-believers were used to lead other people to Christ, but they're not even going. They may have filled some seats in heaven themselves while they're not going to make it themselves. What a shame. And that's what faking it will get you. I think God will use people to spike them. But I would like to go. I don't just want y'all to go. As much as I want y'all to go, I want to go with you as well. So, um, but that happens. That's Matthew 7. And God is saying, look, look at, look at what happens when you add Christian service to a sinful life. He says, you've never stopped sinning. 
You who practice law, you guys are still in habitual rebellion, dis, habitual disobedience. So look, if you're here and there's habitual rebellion and sin in your life, you should repent today. You're not in a good space. If, you're, if you can go on in habitual, regular, ongoing sin against God while going to church, that's not, you're not good. That's not, you're not in a good place with the Lord. God calls us to repent. He offers to forgive. And God will bring about true transformation, everybody that comes to him. But you do got to come, and you got to come his way. Amen? And so moving on now, um, before we move to that, I had in my, in my senior year of high school, um, I almost didn't graduate, by the way. So, um, but in my senior year, I had, a, um, I had a teacher named Mr. Harrison. It was a history teacher. And, and I was doing bad in that class, and I just needed to do good on my final to pass. I was just trying to pass. And um, I, was a, I was a pretty good cheater in high school. Um, not that that was a good thing. I wasn't Christian, so don't judge me. So on this test, it was a history test, and all the, all the tests were you know, by essay. So uh, what I had done, um, I had written my essays out. I had rolled them up on paper, and I stuck them in a pen like this. And so when the teacher would come around, you had to put your paper and your pen down. He would pick up everybody's paper, look at it frontward and backward, make sure the girls hadn't indented in the papers, you know, the, the essay beforehand. And then once he was, you know, clear that you were good, he went back to his seat and said, start. So once he went back to his seat, I started and I bit the top off my pen, my paper out, <laughs> rolled it under my paper. I'm, I'm on and I'm doing my essay. And I, every once in a while I peek up. Once I peeked up and I saw he was looking back at me, I was like, okay. And I kept going. I peeked up again. Now he was moving towards me. It was like the thing with the cat. Every time I looked, he was a little closer, a little closer. So finally, he's right up on me. And uh, he takes my thing. He looks under. I'm busted. And he said, all right, that's an F, which would mean I would not graduate, um, which was going to be a bummer, a big bummer, you know. And uh, long story short, this guy was very gracious and merciful to me, felt bad about some aspect of my life. And he said, man, I'm going to pass you with a D. I don't want you to not graduate. So I, I can't even, you know, my, though I graduated high school on time, I really can't boast. But this happened. There was a number of my friends that weren't going to graduate, um, but they never said nothing. So I remember on graduation day, we're all there, and there was four of my friends that they weren't suited up. And I was like, hey, we all like, you know, what's going on? And the rest of us get in line, and we go down the thing, and we find out on graduation day. Now, they knew the week prior. The parents had been notified. They had been notified, but they didn't walk, and they didn't graduate. But they were there, uh, they were at the celebration, but they weren't going to pass over with everybody else. Um, all the way up until the day of graduation, we thought it looked like they would all be graduating with us, but we got to that day and they would not be graduating with us. Now, I think that there'll be people that spiritually do this. They look like, they faked it so well, they look like everybody else is on their way to heaven, but on graduation day, they're not coming. How sad was that for those guys? And I remember they partied with us afterwards. And I remember just thinking I was I was having a hard time watching them party because I'm like, man, I, I wouldn't be happy right now. <laughs> I would be bummed. You know, they probably drinking away their sorrows, you know, whatever. But they didn't make it. They didn't graduate, you know. And now I made it. Did I make it on my merit? No. Mercy got me through. Um, and I'm glad for the mercy that I was shown. I actually contacted that teacher uh, when I got saved. Uh, I told him, I said, he was always an example to me of, of mercy, you know, of giving me what I didn't deserve. But I knew I didn't deserve that. And uh, he's actually passed on uh, a, a couple years after I contacted him, got in touch with him. But we don't want to 
fake it, make it all the way to the end, look like everybody else, and then we don't even make it ourselves. We, just, we were just good fakes. We want to be good for real. We want to be transformed for real. I want to be a Christian for real. I want to be born again for real, not just appear like, not just put on the, the trappings of a Christian. I, I want to actually be one, and that's my exhortation to all of us, that we got to examine our own selves. If you are faking something, you know it, and nobody may know it but you. But if you're faking it, you know it. If you're pretending somewhere, you know it. And God would call you out today and say, repent of that. Don't, don't be content to continue to live like that. Uh, it's not going to end well for those that live that way. So moving on, he says, I know your works, that you have a name that you're alive, but you are dead. Verse 2, this is his command to them. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. First thing he says here is be watchful. He's going to say again later on, um, if you will not watch. Um, he's telling this church, you guys need to be watchful. You need to be watching. You need to be alert. Um, this is a church they're not, they're not aware. They're not looking for the Lord's coming. They're not aware of his coming back. And so he said, look, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. And so the little bit of stuff that's not dead yet is about to die. It's almost, it's, the, it's a dead church and most of y'all are dead. And a little bit of things that are left, he says, strengthen that which remains that are also ready to die. And um, I, I've likened the analogy to this. You know, if, if you have a, a fan at your home or a, like a ceiling fan, if you turn it on, if you plug a fan into power, it's going to spin and it's gonna, uh, it'll begin to have an effect on the room. It'll cool the room down, right? Well, if you unplug it for a while, it'll be spinning, but it'll be, it'll be less and less and less and less effective, slower and slower and slower and slower, and eventually it'll just stop. It'll be, it'll be absolutely ineffective. And so that's the, the picture here of these believers. He says, look, you guys are dead, and there's a little bit of life left there, but what's there is about ready to die. And he says, strengthen that which remains, um, the things which, are, which remain that are ready to die. And then he says, for I have not found your works perfect before God. I have not found your works. They're not complete. They're not right. Your works aren't perfect. And so even the one that says, I know your works, is saying your works ain't even right. How does someone's works not be right? Not, again, I, I believe we looked at that in Matthew 7. If you're, if you're doing works for God, but you're not, you don't have a life for God, God said, their works are not even perfect before me. You can do the right thing and have the wrong heart, and God said, I don't receive that. Understand this about the Lord. God wants you. Before he wants your service, before he wants your money, before he wants anything that you do for him or give to him, he wants you. Jesus died on the cross to save who? You, not to save your gift, your voice, your talent, your money, everything else. First, you. And so, um, you know, that's why some of the things that we do here, we do them for that reason. When people come into the door, we don't first say, what can you do for us? We first say, hey, let's go through discipleship. Why? Because I don't know if you're saved yet. I don't know what church you came out of. I don't know what kind of background you came from. I want to know who you are and what do you need? What do you need from us first? And, and let's clarify. Let's make sure. What's the first lesson in, in discipleship for those that have been through it? Salvation, right? Let's make sure that we're saved, that we're born again. That is of utmost importance. We build up from there. And then when we're all done with that, now, now let's get busy. Now we're saved and we love the Lord and figure out what our gifts are and let's serve and be effective. But know that it would be wrong to have you walk through the door and just say, well, can you, you could sing or you could, you could do this or you could just put you to work. Um, I won't do that. I won't be guilty of that. Because um, I know God is saying first, I, I want to have you first. Um, and then, then I definitely want to use you for my glory, but first I want you. 
First, I want your heart. First, I want your life. I want you to be saved. I want you to belong to me. And so we want to do it in that order. God, have me first. And then out of the overflow, my love for the Lord, my gratefulness for all he's done for me. Yes, we'll serve you. We'll give to you. We'll, we'll do all those things. We'll do them out of a heart of gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord, though. Amen. So strengthen the things that are made. He says, I've not found your works perfect before God. Verse three, he says, remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. God tells this dead church to remember. He says, I want you guys, you got to look back because you guys aren't really probably hearing right now. But I want you to remember how you have received and how you have heard. And it evidently points back to there was a time when you were hearing and receiving. Uh, I want you to remember that time. And I believe this. There are people that become dull of hearing or they don't hear at all anymore because they, they block God for so long. If you, if you just, if, if there was a season where God was speaking and it was fresh and it was clear and there was conviction and you could hear God was ministering, was speaking to you, and then you're now saying, I don't, I'll sit through a whole message. I don't feel nothing. I just sit through it. I'm just, it's just it's words and I go on home. Um, you become dull of hearing. How do you become dull of hearing? The more you block God out, the more you hear and don't respond, the more you hear and don't yield, you become dull of hearing. And so he says, look, you guys remember, look back to when you were hearing. Remember when you were, and some of us, you got to look back. Maybe you look back and say, man, I remember, I do remember times when God spoke to me with clarity. What did he say? And what have you done with what he said? Did you obey? Did you yield? Did you repent? Did you respond? Because they got to look back. That means that they're not hearing today. Um, and so if you're here and you're hearing clearly right now, you know it. But if you're hearing, you say, no, nah, I don't really hear from God like that. Well, when was the last thing you heard with clarity? Because maybe you have to go back to that place and say, God, you know what? The last thing you spoke really clearly was this. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't like it. I didn't yield to it. And why would he say anything new to you? The last thing I said, I want you to go back to that. And if there's something for you, if there's something back there, then that's the answer for you. Go back. Go back. Remember what you heard. Go back and obey that. Start there. And make it your new trend that when you hear him, you obey him. That when he speaks, you yield. Because um, God knows what we need to hear, and God will speak to the things that need to be spoken to in all of our lives. I look back over the seasons of my life, and I'm amazed at the things, that, the order that God worked in, the things that were the things that were of first level importance. There were things that when I first got saved, because I look back now as a, you know, I'm a lot further along in my walk with the Lord. Well, I look back at me in my early days as a Christian, there was so much wrong with me. But God was, he was like picking one fight at a time. So when I first, first, first got saved, it was, you know, alcohol and sexual sin. Now, I had a lot of other issues, but God said, we'll start there. So God didn't bother me about my language. God didn't bother me about, you know, being aggressive with people out in the streets. We didn't start there. God said, first, we got to get rid of alcohol and the women. It's going to kill you, you know. And so that was of the primary thing. And then I get rid of the women and God delivered me from alcohol. And then God started dealing with my language. You know how he did that? He put me around my wife. I met my wife. I was saved. And she wasn't sure how saved I was. And I, I was with her one day and some guy cussed. And she was appalled that he spoke like that in front of a woman. And I was like, that was lightweight. <laughs> oh my, like, God, God help me. She's going she's to run for the fences when she hears me go. And, uh, and God sped up the sanctification, but he, he, you know, he began there on my mouth. Um, and can I tell you that, I mean, as small a thing as that sounded, if you would have asked me to stop cussing, I would have said, I can't, I, that's how I talk. That's, it just, that, that's all it took, and it was gone. 
out of my vocabulary. Like, I don't cuss. Glory to God. I'm not taking credit and a little bit of Mika. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, God, God helped the brother out, you know? So he took me down a path, and he's still taking me down a path. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of Revelation. This book touches on the people and the world being judged during the tribulation. Some may feel that with all that's happening in the world right now, that we're already there. However, there's more to come and that's why it's so important to know where you stand with God now. Don't delay a decision that you think you can put off because you have lots of time. The time is now. If you're not sure where to go or what to do and the things you're hearing from Revelation are causing you to be fearful, please let us know by giving us a call. We're here to give a listening ear and to answer any questions you might have about this teaching or about salvation. Call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. If you prefer reaching us online, you can fill out the contact form on our website at Cal calvaryinglewood.org. If you're not already connected with a local church family, we'd like to invite you to join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Inglewood. You can find all the information you need at our website, including service times, directions, and information about the church. You can even find links to stream our services or watch previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for spending time with us today in the Word. Pastor Bill will share more about what God revealed to John in the book of Revelation next time on A Transforming Word.